This is Agree to Disagree with Mike Brzezuda and Bob Labriola. Steelers are getting ready for Seattle, but it's not the Seattle anyone anticipated back when the schedule came out. How different is it going to be Sunday at Heinz Field? Imagine Pearl Jam, but no Eddie Vedder. Imagine the Dr. Frazier Crane Show, except he's not listening. Imagine coffee, but it's decaf for crying out loud. The Seahawks without Russell Wilson. Welcome to yet another should-be award-winning edition of Agree to Disagree, the show with the motto, I'm, I'm right, right, he's, he's wrong. wrong. What about a virgin Bloody Mary? Hey, Can hey, I, okay. What, what is the point? I'm, I'm, I mean, what are we even talking about? I'm, I'm trying to work with you yeah. here. <laughs> it's going to be different. How different? 149 consecutive regular season starts and 16 consecutive playoff starts sprinkled in there for the great Russell Wilson from Wisconsin. Did you ever think when you were watching him in at Wisconsin? Never once. Never once either. Never once. I thought, good college QB, too short. Right, right. That running around stuff will never make yeah. it into Sunday League. Never. Never. Never once. Never once. Well, that's why they play the games, and that's why we're here to break down a game that they're still going to play. I think the Seahawks are still going to show up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if our defense will show up. I don't know if they have one. I hope one. it does. <laughs> it hasn't yet. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway, let's get to the heart of the matter. Labs, uh, based on what we saw against the Broncos and what we saw before that and what we heard from the quarterback and the coordinator, as you pointed out on the pregame show, hitting the nail on the head, I thought. A lot of passive-aggressive going <laughs> back and forth for public consumption, but did they did they have a meeting of the minds? Did they find some common ground? Is RPO the way to go? Uh, okay, let's just, for the listeners' edification here, explain a little bit what that is, just for anyone who might not know. Don't you think that might be worthwhile? I think that's a, a real okay. good idea. RPO stands for run-pass option. Um, the play is called uh, in the huddle, well, f- certainly from the sideline, or in the Steelers' case this year, from the booth to the sideline to the quarterback. Um, and it's uh, relayed in the huddle. The team takes, uh, takes uh, lines up at the line of scrimmage, uh, and then the quarterback has the option of uh, there's a run option and a pass option. It's not RP, run pass option is different than read option. Yes. Too, by the way. Because the With, quarterback's not going to be the one right, running, running the ball. If, if they opt for the run option. <laughs> yes. Let's, now, there are quarterbacks where that would be the case. Right, but no, that that's not the case in Pittsburgh, no. as the Yinzers would say. Uh, okay, so uh, I'm going to um, agree with this partially, uh, only because this I want to say this first. Um, I, I want to see a little bit more establishment of what we saw um, introduced against Denver in terms of performance, understanding. Um, the running game seems to start to be taking roots. Um, and so, uh, you know, I was talking to Max Starks. I was on the show with him and Wolf yesterday, and I asked him about how much does it change the blocking assignments or the calls for the offensive lineman in the middle of a play when motion. And he says, well, sometimes it can affect a lot. Uh, it can change who the Mike linebacker is, and that's usually what everybody uses as the uh, pole in the ground, you know, to make the blocking calls. Okay, so 
uh, the point that I was trying to get to with him, and he agreed, was that a lot of motion is not doing Kendrick Green any good. No, because when the defense adjusts, then right. the line has to adjust. adjust. And he's you know worried about you know getting the ball back to Ben, or if it's a silent counter on a road, you know. And as Max pointed out, he said, you know, this guy played four games at center in his college career. Yeah, but he played him in Illinois, right? In the Big Ten Conference, so he's ready. <laughs> so he's ready. Yes, uh, he's ready based on if any of those games were maybe against the Ohio State University. But outside of that, but anyway, um, so I would like to see before they get into a lot of this other stuff, wrinkles, maybe going to more RPOs. Let the O line get a little bit more comfortable with Najee, Najee with the O-line, uh, some of the other things, the perimeter blocking. Uh, I, I want to see the running game have a couple of good weeks, and then I would be in favor of this. But until then, uh, let's just stay the course a little bit. Um, it is okay because I checked before we did this, sat down to do this. I checked the rule book. It is okay to not only use the same kinds of plays – one week to the next. But even in the game, you can call the same play twice in a row. So you, did you agree or disagree? Fascinating that soliloquy <laughs> you just offered up. But I don't See, I, I confused you, didn't you, I? You, so you, so I'm, that's why I'm right. Because whichever way you want to interpret yeah. what I said, I said it. So, again, for the record. I, for the record, um, I agree but not right away. So you disagree. Is that what it's called? <laughs> I'm going to agree. Here's why. Um you mentioned all that, uh, which I thought, again, I'm going to repeat this because that passive-aggressive thing was such a perfect and fitting description of what has been taking place. Oh, absolutely. And if you've been following along at home, I'm sure you agree. Um, I saw an offense that had degenerated, in my estimation at least, from disconnect between the quarterback and the coordinator to dysfunction on the field to, hey, it's working. And then listening to Ben Roethlisberger after the game talk about all the RPOs. Hey, you know, I ran the ball, and a lot of those were RPOs. I could have thrown it, but I ran it. And then he gave Matt Canada some credit for some play calls that weren't RPOs. But I thought that was working. Here's what I'm trying to get to most of all, and this is completely serious. If you're going to play Ben Roethlisberger, and they seem to be committed to that, should you not take advantage of what Randy Feekner used to call his in-helmet experience? all the reps he's taken for all the years in all the games. And I think he evolved, particularly in the second half of his career, as a pretty good uh, orchestrator of the game while it was playing out. And, okay, the, the no huddle is different, and, and he doesn't have the audible power that he used to have, at least not in these high-leverage plays or however Mike Tomlin described it. Uh, let, him, let him influence. Let him feel like he's calling the shots a little bit. He still seemingly stayed within the structure of the Matt Cannon offense, but he kind of did what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it, which I think he functions very well in that environment. So, yeah, RPO, baby. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. The only caveat for me is I want to I give the offensive linemen, the new guys who have little in-helmet perspective, just a bit of a chance more to, to feel confident in what they're doing, what they're being asked to do. It's a decent point, and – also because they can't fire on these RPOs right. because they can't be downfield if the option is P. Right, exactly. But all that said, I just I really liked what I saw as that Denver game. Oh, as I, uh, as I liked I. what I heard from the quarterback. 
and I'm sure they like winning, to quote Nuke Lelouch. <laughs> you know, it's like better than losing. <laughs> um, and did I don't know if – well, we were on the – we were doing the, the pregame show, but um, I've seen this on the internet clips and stuff. There was a little coach on Coach Crime committed uh, during the CBS pregame show. I don't know if you noticed that or have seen that. Um, a certain Hall of Fame coach – uh, was who, he wearing the Hall of Fame jacket? No, he was not. But he was wearing the—he was carrying that Hall of Fame jaw with him, okay. and um, he had some pretty harsh words for the Steelers' offensive coordinator. Uh, he said, I, "I did not catch uh, any." Of yeah, he—he—he uh, he, he kind of well, he said, "You got to let Ben be Ben." First of all, that was to Matt Canada, and then to Ben, he said, "You know, don't worry about this." You know. Um, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to listen to it. But it was pro- Google it. The kids say. Yeah, right. Uh, use the Google machine. Yeah. <laughs> but he was very pro uh, Ben, and I won't say anti Matt Canada. But I could imagine the conversation that would have been had in 2004, say, uh, in the offensive team meeting room on a Tuesday evening, uh, when you know game plan day was going on, and you know it was submitted to the to the guy with the big jaw. Um, yes, he was very much in favor, and he, he was very emotional about it, as he is wont to be, about letting Ben be Ben. Yeah, and I think he's been uh, – again, I'm being serious here. I, I point that out just so people can tell the difference. <laughs> I think he's responsible. It's not, he's not going to throw it 80 times if the, if you give him the run-pass option a lot. And just, just let him figure it out because he does that well. Yeah, and well, and this year as opposed to last year, you got Najee Harris, and you can see what this guy brings. And um, you know, I, again, I, I think one of the other things besides the passive aggressive comment, I think that what another thing that I said was both guys got to give a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it can't be your way all the way all the time. So yeah, th- I think this this could be a step in the right direction. I might again might wait one more week just to make sure the O linemen are are comfortable. And what their jobs are. Okay. So, just for the record, I have an opinion. He does not. <laughs> oh, that is an opinion. Statement number two. Smart Alec. <laughs> Got to find a way to get more pressure. And by that, I mean obviously on the opposing quarterback. Disagree. Um, it, it could be better, but I think in this game coming up, where Geno Smith is going to execute the same offense that Russell Wilson did. Now he's not going to have the intuition or the improvisational ability or any of that stuff. But this guy can get outside of the pocket and hurt you. He can play action bootleg. I want to contain the quarterback more than I want to pressure the quarterback. I want to contain Baker Mayfield more than I want to pressure him. I want to contain Patrick Mahomes. See where I'm going with this? They're going to play a lot of mobile quarterback. Do what you did to Josh Allen. I can't remember how many sacks they got. No, they did pressure him, but they contained him. Uh, Geno Smith, Labs, I want him throwing the ball. Uh, sacks and strip sacks and all that are great, but he'll throw it to you. No, I understand. Um, uh, you know, I'm I'm going to agree with the statement. Uh, I'll disagree with you just for the context of what we're doing here. But you can't let him do what Teddy Bridgewater did in the second half last week either. You can't let him just sit back there, look around, and find a receiver because, you know, that is going to be successful at the NFL level far more often than it is not, even with Geno Smith. Um, there, there is no – this is another rule that I checked. There is no rule against uh, pressure and containing. Uh, I'm not saying you, you sell out to blitz 
uh, and you know you you got to get them on the ground in one Mississippi, two Mississippi, or there's three guys running free in the secondary. But you can't let him uh, have too much time where he can survey the field maybe once or twice because a guy like Geno Smith, I believe, and players like him, uh, once they get confidence early in the game, he starts hitting passes, then he becomes better than he actually is through the confidence uh, issue. So uh, I'm not saying sell out for blitzes, but you you can uh, maybe try and confuse him a little bit about where the pressure's coming from uh, or try and do more things like that because – um, the four-man rush with T.J. Watt coming around the corner all the time. I mean, he's not he's not T.J. Watt yet. I don't. I can't imagine that that groin is a hundred percent, and he is capable of doing all of the things he is usually capable of doing. Uh, Cam Hayward, there's just I believe he might look like that guy more this week. Well, good. If I you, mean, again, I'll, I'll wait. Thirteen sacks uh, of Russell Wilson so far. The right tackle position has been in flux. Three different guys have started there in five games. That's all. That's fine. I I just would want to go into the game with some ideas that we've at least practiced a little bit uh, that we can maybe try and take advantage of Geno Smith's lack of in-helmet perspective, let me put it that way, because you can't say his lack of experience because he's 31 years old. Last, uh, certainly not least, Labs, Juju Smith-Schuster's plight is a disappointment. It shouldn't be a deal-breaker. I agree. Uh, You know, again, I I think that there are – and let me say this. This is why you don't trade James Washington. Whether he wanted to be traded or asked to be traded or his – I think I heard a guy talking about this somewhere. You mean like this morning? Yeah. Well, yeah, that might have been somebody you, you're looking at right now, as a matter of fact. But um, this is why you don't trade James Washington. I think that Washington has some Juju-esque characteristics. Um, he's a physical guy, um, a tough guy. I think he, he might be able to handle some of the run-blocking assignments and as well as some of the um, in middle-of-the-field responsibilities in terms of being a receiver and, uh, you know, you, you're going to miss Juju. But, again, as you said, it's not a deal breaker. Yeah, I, I wanted to get here uh, in, in this particular installment just because I, I felt the need to talk about Juju a little bit. And uh, his production has dropped, from, you know, a couple of years ago. That lights out second year that he had. Even, what, last year he had nine touchdowns or something of right. that nature. He wasn't approaching that this year. But the effort I've seen out of Juju Smith-Schuster and how hard he plays um, – the, the tough guy brand of football that he has played, uh, really impressive stuff. But that's why you have James Washington. That's why you have maybe a Cody White uh, that has been kind of knocking on the NFL door here for a little while, and maybe all he needed was an opportunity. Not that he's going to be a star for you, but catch one here or there, play some special teams. Maybe James Washington gets a few more reps, makes a few more plays, and maybe – you look for Chase Claypool a little bit more now that he's working his way back. And if they see that guy, the guy they saw against Denver, that was the Claypool from last year for the first time all season consistently. You know, he can go down the field and catch it. He can catch short and run long as he did when they tried to cover him with Vaughn Miller and the quarterback noticed. That wasn't even the the first option on that play. But, oh, look, look at that. A linebacker against a really big receiver who's hard to cover. wonder how this would work out. Yeah, he's probably seen that in uh, a film review. Uh, 
down the hall a few yeah. times. So uh, I don't want to I don't want to disparage uh, or dismiss Juju Smith Schuster, but it's just the NFL. You gotta right. You, you know, better him than Russell Wilson. You know what I mean? Uh, to or, be cruel. or from the Steelers' standpoint, you know, better him than Najee Harris. Yeah. Uh, and oh, here's another thing. Now that Penn State tight end, he can work the middle of the field too. Yes, he. Boy, they got to start featuring that guy one of these weeks, don't they? Uh, you know, again, I think that this is the kind of thing that, um, you know, the Mike Tomlin one-man misfortune is another man's opportunity. Juju does so many different things. As Mike Tomlin said, it's not going to be a one-man job replacing him. You know, maybe this opens it up for Washington, Fryermuth, Claypool, as you mentioned. Harris. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I lo- I, he, he got enough touches for me last week. No, I mean – I still want to see him more in the slot running, oh, okay. running oh, routes. Oh, running, okay. Not the, not the dump that thing, particularly on fourth down. Yeah, because he can make those catches. Is that the fourth down play sheet? If it's my playbook, <laughs> it ain't in there anymore. <laughs> you know, if, if I'm reading the signs, I've, I've seen it twice. I've seen enough to know. I have seen too much. <laughs> Okay, that's going to do it for this edition of Agree to Disagree, the show with the motto. That was a uh, reference to uh, the uh, baseball movie League of Their Own. That was the squiggy line when he was announcing. <laughs> that's enough baseball. I'm dropping for, into that's, that's pop enough culture base- right and left. <laughs> Run pass options abound. He's wrong. I'm right. I'm right. He's next, wrong. Next week is bye week. Yeah. So, so see you in two don't, weeks. Don't be that guy. See you in two weeks. See you in two weeks.